May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. I want to welcome you to Parkway Fellowship today, and I especially want to welcome our North Campus joining us by video feed. Welcome, guys. Glad that you're joining us today. Um, And today we continue with our third part of our four-part series on marriage called Vows. Now, I remember when I bought my first lab puppy. I was in my 20s, um, I was single, and I, you know, I just wanted a dog. And so I bought my first lab puppy. In fact, I brought some pictures with me here. Let's, let me see, let's show you a couple pictures of my, my puppy when I bought her. Yeah, she's super cute. Uh, and every day I would come home from work and I would play with her. And, and then every afternoon when I finished work, I would come and play with her some more. And every time I came home and I opened the back door, I mean, she would just come running as fast as her little legs could carry. Uh, I mean, it was just great. And then one day, when I came home, there was no dog to greet me. And my heart sank. And so I looked everywhere in the backyard. I mean, I called for her, but she wasn't anywhere. And so I quickly ran to check the fences to the gate, and, you know, they were locked as usual. And then I thought, well, maybe I need to look and see if, there's, if she dug out somewhere. And that's when I found it. She didn't dig out, but one of the slats in the fence, like the bottom two nails had come loose. And so if you just pushed on it, like it would swing open like this, just wide enough for a lab puppy to get out. Now, at the time, my house was three blocks from West Memorial Junior High, but it was also three blocks from Mason Road. And I prayed that that dog had wandered toward the junior high and not towards the traffic because I knew what would happen. And so, I, you know, went over to the junior high to try to look for this dog, and I put up signs all over the neighborhood. I asked the neighbors, but I couldn't find the dog, and nobody else had seen Ginger either. And so I went to bed that night fearing the worst. And then the next morning, I got the call. It was from a lady that found the dog. (laughs) I know, I was so relieved. (laughs) Anyway, she worked at Chase Bank over on Mason Road and said that the dog yesterday afternoon had wandered over and had sat on the front porch of the bank and that she felt sorry for it and didn't want it to get hit, so she took it home and was calling me to tell me that she found it. So I was so thrilled, and so after I got my dog, you better believe, first thing I did was I went and nailed those slats shut, you know, so she couldn't get out again, right? So, you know, and I've thought a lot about what happened that day. I've thought a lot about that experience. Um, See, my puppy wanted to just get out of the fence to see what else was out there. But it almost cost her her life. Or she could have been taken by somebody who was cruel. Or she could have been taken by somebody who just didn't want to give her back. You know, regardless, the puppy did not realize the amount of danger that she was really in. 
She didn't understand that the fence was there not to limit her freedom, but it was there for her protection. And that if she would learn to live inside the boundaries of the fence, then she would have more fun and more freedom than anything she would experience outside the fence. You see, God has given us fences, guidelines for how he wants us to live life. And if we would learn to live life inside of God's fence, then we would actually enjoy more freedom in life because we're not chained by the regrets of choices made by living outside of God's fence. Now, you know, my example today is about a puppy. But think how much higher the stakes are when we're talking about a marriage. You see, when people get outside the boundaries of marriage and have an affair, there's real consequences. Sometimes there's a baby. Every time there are broken hearts by the person that's been cheated on, the kids, the kids of the other family, the spouse of the other person. I mean, there's a huge wake of broken hearts. And even if the two people that had an affair, even if they do get married, now there are great issues of mistrust and insecurity because if both of them were willing to have an affair while they were a part of their first marriage, then who's to say that they wouldn't have an affair at some point in time in their next marriage? So, we need to understand that when we take our vows and we say, I do, what we're also saying is, I don't to every other person in the world. And that honestly, that also includes pornography because when Jesus, Jesus says that if we lust after another person, then we have already committed adultery with that person in our hearts. So, Let's take a look at what the Lord says about how to prevent an affair. Because when you decide to live inside the fence, there's no chance of getting hit by a car. When you decide to live inside the fence, there's no chance of being with someone who ends up being cruel. When you live inside the fence, there's no chance of being separated from your family. And for those of you that are single or students, let me just say this. If you will decide now that you will put these guidelines into practice, then you will essentially affair-proof your marriage. So I want everybody to go ahead and pull out your notes, your worship notes, and let's start by asking this question. What does God want me to do to ensure against an affair? What's God want me to do? Well, here's the first thing. Be stringent with boundaries of the opposite sex. I need to be stringent with boundaries with the opposite sex. Now, here's the deal. When I say stringent, I mean stringent. I mean no exceptions. Never. No crossing the line. You know, and you might think that that's too narrow or too old-fashioned 
or too restrictive or not progressive or that it's prude or not in line with modern thinking. Look, here's the deal. You can use whatever terms you want to to make yourself feel better about living outside of God's boundaries. But here's the deal. If both of you will commit to the boundaries that we're going to talk about this morning, then here's the deal. You will virtually eliminate any possibility of an affair. It's true. And see, these are boundaries that we're going to talk about. These are boundaries that, every, that myself and every single one of our staff members adhere to. So, before we look at the boundaries, let's look at what God says in the Bible. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, the Bible says this. It says, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Okay? I want you to circle hint of sexual immorality, because that's the key. Or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Look, here's the deal. I had you circle hint of sexual immorality, because that's the fence. God doesn't draw the fence at don't have an affair. He doesn't place the fence at don't become emotionally involved or don't do anything inappropriate. He places the fence at don't let there be a hint. Now, let me pause right here. If you're single or if you're a student, okay, here's the deal. The specifics that we're going to talk about with these boundaries, okay, these really only apply after you get married, okay? So, but while you're dating, you need to make sure that you conduct yourself in a way that there's, on, there, there's not even a hint of sexual immorality. So that changes the way you date. But these boundaries that we're going to talk about are specifically after you get married, okay? So if that's where the fence is, then what are those boundaries practically? What specifically are they? Here's the first, and these are your bullet points. Never be alone, eat alone, or ride alone with a member of the opposite sex. Now, here's the deal. When I say alone, I mean, don't be alone in a room where there are no windows so that if someone accused you of being inappropriate, then, like, you would have no way to defend yourself. Don't put yourself in that kind of, of a position. You know, for instance, here at the park, every single one of our offices has a window in the door so that anybody walking by at any time can look inside and see that everything going on is on the up and up. And so that allows us to have meetings that are private, but we're never really alone because anybody could walk by any time and see whatever's going on. Now, I know some of you are thinking, but Pastor Mike, what about my job? I mean, there are things in my job. Sometimes I have got to have meetings with clients behind closed doors, or I entertain by taking clients to dinner or to lunch or going to restaurants, or sometimes I've got to pick up a client at the airport in my car, and I've got to drive them around. I mean, honestly, this just isn't very practical. Well, honestly, I totally agree with you. This isn't very practical. But practical is not the goal. Faithfulness is. 
Now look, here's the deal. There's some pretty easy ways to make adhering to this boundary pretty easy and effective at work, okay? You know, for instance, if you've got to take a client to lunch or if you've got to drive a client to the airport, it's pretty easy to say, hey, would you mind if a coworker joined us? Most of the time they're going to go, sure. Or maybe you want to say, hey, you know what? My coworker is trying to learn the ropes. Would you mind if they were a part of our conversation? Most people are going to go, sure, yeah, that's fine. Now, and if, if it's of a delicate business matter and, you know, you need to have a private meeting, then make sure that you conduct that meeting in an office or in a room where there are windows so that anybody could walk by at any time and see that everything that's going on inside is on the up and up. Those are some pretty easy ways to make this happen. Because, look, here's the deal. I have never, ever, ever in my entire life heard of anyone that has actually lost career advancement opportunities because they had such good boundaries with the opposite sex. In fact, I'll say this. If you, if you cannot advance your career because you have good boundaries, then you need to find a new career. I'm just saying. Okay. Boundary number two is this. Never confide in a member of the opposite sex. Look, here's the deal. Almost every physical affair starts with an emotional affair. So you've got to be very careful not to make an emotional connection with a member of the opposite sex. I mean, look, you especially cannot talk to someone of the opposite sex about struggles that you're having within your own marriage. You, you absolutely cannot do that. Okay, don't confide in them with secrets. You know, bottom line, if you find yourself telling that person something that you haven't told your spouse, then you are making an emotional connection that you don't have with your spouse. And you are way over the line at that point. I mean, you're a fool to think that's not going somewhere. So you can't do that. Because remember, when you said, I do to your spouse, you are also saying, I don't to every other person in the world. And part of that means is that you need to learn to confide in members of your same gender and not confide in members of the opposite gender. Okay? Third boundary is this. It's your third bullet point. I need to always give my spouse access to my calls, email, texts, or private messages. Always. Look at me, here's the deal. There's nothing that you should be doing through voice, email, text, private messages that your spouse shouldn't be able to see. Because remember, you've got nothing to hide. Because there's not even a hint of anything sexually immoral or inappropriate. So give your spouse access to everything. And you might think, oh, but Pastor Mike, I mean, there's some things that go on at my work that I'm the only one that's supposed to see. Oh, really? Come on. Do you honestly think that your spouse is going to post drilling projections or pipeline costs on her Twitter account? I mean, seriously? I mean, at some point in time, you have got to choose your marriage over your right to privacy. Because when you said, I do, you said, I do give up my right to privacy 
for the joy of sharing my life with someone. And that's of paramount importance. So there's no reason your spouse can't look at your call log or your emails or your texts or your message history or, you know, whatever. And here's the deal. The Lord will use that transparency to bring about great freedom and great trust in your marriage. Look, I mean, I know some of this stuff that we're talking about this morning, it sounds over the top. It sounds really prude. It sounds ridiculous. I mean, I understand that. But here's the deal. If you make a commitment to live inside God's boundaries, what do you think that's going to do to intimacy in your marriage? What do you think that would mean to your wife? What do you think that would mean to your husband? Do you think that it would bring you closer together? Don't you think that it would make you so much happier? Don't you think that it would increase the amount of love in your marriage the amount of closeness in your marriage? You bet it would. You bet it would. Now, look at this next set of verses because this is God's promise to you and to me when we adhere to his boundaries. It's in Proverbs chapter 5, beginning of verse 15. It says this, Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Okay, now look, let me just pause right there. He's not talking about the benefits of indoor-outdoor plumbing here, okay? That's not the context, okay? He's using the imagery of a well or of a cistern for sex. So he's saying, have sex with your own wife, not someone else's, okay? Verse 16, should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed. Okay, now look, he's talking to guys here, okay? And when God says, may your fountain be blessed, yeah, that means exactly what you think it means. I'm just saying, look, I didn't write the Bible, okay? I'm just telling you what it says, all right? It says, and, may, and may, you not, may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. I got to say, I just love the Bible, you know? I love the Bible. It says, may you ever be captivated by her love. I want you to circle the word love. That word is not describing an emotion. That word actually means love-making. You ought to write that underneath that somewhere. Write love-making. It says that if you will follow God's plan, that it is God's desire that you would be captivated by your wife's love-making. And then when you are, verse 20, why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? Why embrace the bosom of another man's wife? Look, here's the deal. If you want God's blessing on your marriage or on your future marriage, then you've got to do the things God's way. Because God doesn't set up the fence to limit your freedom. 
It's there for your protection. It's there so that once you get married, and if you will choose to live inside those boundaries, then you will enjoy more freedom and more love and more intimacy and more happiness and more fulfillment and more everything because you're doing it God's way. But in order to, in order to reap those rewards, you have to be stringent with your boundaries so that you can actually enjoy those freedoms. Okay. Well, what if there's been an affair? What then? Well, number two is this. Forgive and think forward. Forgive and think forward. Look what Jesus says about marriage in Matthew 19. Jesus says this. Verse 8, Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. Underline that sentence. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman, commits adultery. See, God's saying that the only permissible reason for divorce is if your spouse has been unfaithful to you. Now, I know, I mean, some of you might be saying, but Mike, what about abuse? Well, If there's abuse, then I would absolutely recommend separation so that you can work on it from a safe distance. Now, if perhaps you've been divorced for some other reason other than adultery, then I'm telling you, God has forgiveness for you, and he still has a great plan for your life. But Jesus says that the only biblically sound reason for divorce is in the case of of adultery. That's what he says. Now, does that mean that if there has been an affair that you should get divorced? No, absolutely not. I mean, look at that part that I had you underlined. It says, but it was not this way from the beginning. Jesus is saying that from the very beginning, it was God's intent that even if there is an affair, that you work it out. That that's God's plan, that you work it out. And that was his plan for every marriage. Now look, God also understands that sometimes there's, the damage is so great from an affair that you can't work it out. But if there's any way that you possibly can, you should. Because God would want you to. Okay, how? What are the steps for dealing with an affair? Okay, well these are your next bullet points. First one is this. Completely cut off all contact with the other person. Completely cut off all contact with the other person. Look, if that means changing jobs, then change jobs. If that means changing schools, athletic teams, or even moving, then do it. It certainly means blocking them on email and unfriending them on Facebook. Okay, of that there is no question. Because here's the deal. You can't put a marriage back together if there's someone else involved. It cannot happen. So you've got to cut off contact. Second thing you've got to do is this. Confess and seek forgiveness. Confess and seek forgiveness. Look, if you're the one that's had the affair, then you need to confess it to your spouse, and you need to beg their forgiveness. Now listen, here's the deal. They're well within their God-given right to divorce you. And they very well might. But if there's any chance to put it back together... You have to confess it as sin and ask them to forgive you 
Look at this verse in Ephesians 4. It says this. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Okay? Next up is this. Be transparent from that point forward. Be transparent from that point forward. Look, here's the deal. There's going to be suspicion and mistrust because trust has been broken. So even if you've broken off everything with that other person, it's going to take some time for your spouse to trust you again. But here's the deal. You can greatly accelerate that rebuilding of trust if you are completely transparent, okay? Yes, that means being transparent about the past, but it also means being transparent about where you go, about what you're doing, about, um, about being open with your passwords, with all of your accounts, with emails, with Facebook, with all social media, I mean everything. Be completely transparent, and that will begin to accelerate the rebuilding of trust. Okay, next is this. Invest in your marriage again. You got to invest in your marriage again. And it's going to be hard at first because, I mean, there's a lot of hurt. But you need to re-engage back into your marriage. And I'm not talking about one. I mean both of you. Both of you have to do it. And if you will re-engage your marriage, I'm telling you, the Lord can begin to bring healing and put that back together again. Look, think about it. If it was God's plan from the beginning that every marriage would work it out if they have an affair, then don't you think that God has a plan and it certainly has the ability to re-knit and to re-wed your hearts back together again? Absolutely he does. So give him a chance to do it and re-engage back into your marriage. That's both of you. Okay, the last one is this. Get professional Christian counseling. Get professional Christian counseling. Look, here's the deal. Don't, don't, don't go it alone. And don't think that one sermon in church on one Sunday morning is just going to fix everything in your marriage. It's not. Look, I mean, it's a great start. And it's a great way to point you in the right direction. But the truth is, you need to engage the help of a professional Christian counselor. Now look, I want you to underline the word Christian there. Underline that. Because it's important that you go see a Christian counselor. Because I'm telling you, there are plenty of really good counselors out there that will tell you, you need to just go ahead and get divorced. But a Christian counselor understands and knows and believes in the power of God to bring about forgiveness, healing, and restoration. And so you need to make sure that you've engaged the help of a Christian counselor. Because here's the deal. When you said, I do, you're saying, I do lawfully take you as my wedded husband. I do lawfully take you as my wedded wife, come what may. And those vows come with obligations on your part but they also come with blessings on God's part. So I want everyone right now, find your connection card and let's take some next steps together. So everyone right now, find your connection card and let's take some next steps.
Maybe it's this first one. Single or married, I commit to be stringent with godly boundaries with the opposite sex. Would you make that commitment right now? Be stringent with that. Next, I will keep my vows by saying I do to him or to her, and I don't to everyone else. That'd be huge. Next, I will seek my spouse's forgiveness for where I've crossed the line in the past. And maybe that's not even having an affair. Maybe that's with pornography. Maybe that's just being inappropriate. Maybe that's just not knowing that you had boundaries. Would you seek forgiveness for not adhering to that and start fresh? Next, I will ask the Lord for his strength to forgive my spouse for things in the past and think forward about my marriage. I know that's hard. I know that's hard. That's why you need to ask for God's help and his strength. Would you do that? Next, I will not confide in a member of the opposite sex that is not my spouse. That'd be huge. Next, I will be transparent by giving my spouse access to all my communications. Would you do that? Got nothing to hide, right? So why wouldn't you? Or the last one. I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. Look, here's the deal. You cannot truly receive forgiveness from your spouse, and you really can't grant forgiveness until you've received the forgiveness from God for everything that you've ever done in your life. And that starts by becoming a Christ follower. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you for everything you've ever done and pledge your life to following him from this time forward, then I'm going to give you a chance to do that right now. There's a sample prayer at the bottom of your message notes, right underneath these next steps. If you've never prayed that prayer before, I'm going to give you a chance to pray it right now. And for everyone, if you're ready to, uh, I want everyone to have an opportunity to pray to God and ask him to help you follow through with these next steps and use these next steps to change your life. So I want everyone right now, everybody in the room, bow your head. I want to give you a chance to pray silently and use this time to pray that prayer to become a Christ follower or pray and ask God to help you follow through and bless your marriage through these next steps. Let's take these few moments and do that right now. Father, I want to say thank you for just how practical your word is, how practical you are with the blessings, how practical you are with the boundaries. Lord, I pray for every marriage in this room. I pray for every future marriage that's represented in this room, that you would help each and every one of us to live with inside the boundaries that you've set up, not because it restricts our freedom, but God, because ironically, it gives us more freedom more freedom to enjoy your blessings, more freedom to be intimate, more freedom to be close, more freedom to be honest, more transparency, more of every sort of thing that we hope and dream for in a marriage. And so I ask that you would help those that have made mistakes in the past to let those mistakes be in the past. 
and that you would help them move forward. And for those in this room that have not made mistakes, God, that they would trust you and follow through with you and realize, and help all of us realize, that when we say, I do, we're not just saying, I do to our spouse, we're also saying, I don't to everyone else, but we're also saying, I do to you, to your ways, as well as to your blessings. And so I ask that you would bless every marriage in this room, and ask you to do that, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.